Hey, this is Pastor Keith with Epic Life Church. And if you're tuning into this podcast, I hope it's something that will encourage you. And maybe you can listen to it a couple times and as you're reading the scripture as well and come out with something new and maybe something to think about all day or talk with a friend and maybe use in a house church community or maybe on, on a, a chat across the, uh, the internet in this time that we're separated. Enjoy. Good morning, Epic Life. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm realizing as I'm uh, preaching and, and teaching on Sunday mornings in a camera and in your living room that really what I'm attempting to do is to be in your living room with you and perhaps just sitting around uh, on a couch with a couple families, maybe one family or two people and and teaching, uh, discipling, mentoring, and hopefully that's how this is received as well. We are a family, and so this isn't some video you're watching online of somebody you don't know. I know you personally, you know me personally, and we are a church together. And so I hope as I as I speak uh, this morning, I, I talk a little more in the book of Ephesians that we get the opportunity to connect a little more as well. My heart is that you as individuals and you as families grow and are encouraged and and see the see the scriptures in a new light maybe and see the way the holy spirit enables us to um, to thrive to follow after god and to share our faith with other people would you join me in prayer this morning so father god i praise you that we can come together and be a, a blessing in a community even when we're separate. And I thank you for the way your spirit connects us together. And I pray that over the, the weeks of, of this month of May that you would do some, some really beautiful, miraculous things in your church, in Epic Life Church, but also in the church of Seattle and the church of in this world, that you would bring more people. I'm reflecting on the, the fact that as we're broadcasting out that more people than ever um, have are having the chance and seeing and hearing your gospel that millions upon millions billions of people on this earth are hearing your gospel preached and taught over uh, over the internet and so we just praise you for that that we have that functionality and the ability to to do that. Lord, would you join us this morning? I praise you for giving us opportunities to learn. Thank you that you go before us, and I pray that we would follow after you, that we would be imitators of yours and, and disciples of yours. And Lord, that we would be strengthened in all that we do. We'd be confident as we step forward, and you'd give us opportunity to really love our neighbors and the friends and, and family around us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I'm going to go back into the book of Ephesians. Now, we've been studying Ephesians for quite a while, and we're going to continue to do that. The chapters coming up, of course, uh, as you've been hearing, are chapters that, that Paul is, is discipling and pastoring uh, the people of uh, the city of Ephesus. And he's, he's teaching them about how to live in light of who they are. Now, I've said this many, many times, and I'll continue to say it all the way through this book, is that we have been identified for a purpose, that God has identified us and stamped us with his Holy Spirit so we can work and do the things that he has set uh, before us to do uh, at, from the very beginning. And most of that to do, the, what we are doing, is to love others. 
uh, love and seek ourselves less and love and seek others more. And so that's what Jesus called us to do is love God and love others. Love God and love our neighbors and serve and give that we should love others like Christ loves us. <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to I, I, I don't know if you know this, but usually I have, always, I have a title to a sermon, although nobody really ever knows that, uh, because I don't start off with the title of this sermon is, it really doesn't matter to me too much, but I, I do have a title for this sermon. If you're taking notes this morning, sitting around at your house on your comfy couch watching this on your TV, or maybe sitting in your car watching it on your phone, or in your closet, wherever you are, I hope that maybe you're taking notes as well. And so the the title of this sermon is Lessons from the Mountain. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm saying that because um, not only did I grow up on the mountain, but there's mountains all around us here in the Northwest, and I love that. You know, when I was growing up, it would snow really, really deep <clears throat> snow there in the Northwest, or in, the, in Idaho, um, mid-central Idaho. And we would get four, maybe five feet of snow. It always seems like so much more when I was a kid. And piles and piles of snow, and we'd trounce through the snow and go sledding and make snowmen and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes I'd follow my father through the snow and he'd be stomping his big footprints through the snow and, and we as kids would try to stay in his footprints, kind of jumping from one footprint to the other, trying to stay out of the deep snow ourselves, letting him, him beat the path, the pathway ahead of us and we would be trying to get, of course it didn't work because our little legs sometimes wouldn't even reach over the snow if it was powder or or his, his boot size was like that and our little foot would would not even reach it or we could put two steps in his his one but we would follow that trail of the father before us trying to step into his footprints as we go trying to trying to follow him trying to walk in the footsteps walk it as as we um just followed him the the passage this morning in the ephesians uh, paul is talking about being imitators of god and uh, sometimes when we're really young as kids, we try to be imitators. We try to follow our fathers, try to be imitators of them and become like them. Somewhere around our teenage years, we think that we know way too much and there's no way we want to become like our father. Only to wake up many, many years later when we're a bit smarter, a bit wiser, a bit more mature to find out we're exactly like our father. And honestly, I kind of like that. The other day I was walking through the backyard and I had a, a pair of jeans on and a white t-shirt. I was watering some plants and my kids were laughing at me because I looked just like grandpa, my dad. And it's kind of true. I kind of putz around the yard and, and water plants and now I got chickens. And so I'm kind of ending up like my dad reading next to the fire and, and writing letters. Uh, there's a lot of that that I really, really actually enjoy. He's a good man to be like. And I want to be a good man to be like, right? I want to be someone who my kids want to be like, want to emulate, want to imitate. And uh, sometimes I, I pull that off really well. Sometimes I don't. And as mothers and as fathers, one of our goals in life is to teach and train our kids in such a way that they grow up 
and they're like us, in our, our good parts anyway. Hopefully they're not like our bad parts and those things get pushed aside. And uh, sadly though, we, we do end up imitating our father's uh, good and bad qualities at times. But praise God that he allows us to get out of that. Hey, Ephesians 5, uh, chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says this. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life full and filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Would you listen to that one more time? Now, Paul is talking out of Ephesians chapter 4, where he was talking about living as children of light. So we've been identified as for, on a purpose to live as children of light. Last week, we talked about throwing off our old nature and putting on our new nature. And this is what God has called us to do. He's saved us to be new. He's given us a, a new person, a new creation, a new man. New clothes is, is often what is kind of shown in the scriptures. And so last week we talked about throwing off our old sinful nature and allowing the Holy Spirit to do a new work in us so that we can put on our new nature created to be like God. And so went through chapter four and, and Paul saying, stop thinking about yourself and focusing on yourself and focus and love others. Therefore, in chapter five, imitate God. In everything you do, not just a little part, not just a pieces here and there, but in everything you do, imitate God because you are his dear children. You're connected as family. Remember that list of who you are in chapters one through four? This is who you are. One of the things of who you are, you are the son, the daughter of the king. You're the, you're the son and the daughter of the king. So emulate, imitate your father. In everything you do, because you are his dear children, imitate God. So live a life. How do you imitate God? Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. You imitate God by living a life filled with love. This amazing love that we really as humans can't quite understand. But this love and that example of that love, that amazing example of that love is Christ. And Jesus loved us so much that he offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. And what was that sacrifice? It was to take away the burden of sin from humanity. We are to imitate God. Caleb and I took a hike this past weekend. And yeah, we weren't here for church on Sunday morning. We were actually out in the mountains. Yeah, well, we left Friday heading to the mountains, packed up our hiking gear, and we we're going to go up way as far as we could up to the mountains and drive as far as we could, then hike a little farther. And my goal was to get into some snow, uh, stay by a, a lake for a couple nights, build a fire, and just have a, a toasty good old time. Well, it was it was a good old time, but it, it wasn't toasty at all. In fact, uh we, we hiked up into the mountain, and it was a beautiful hike. Uh, we drove up as far as we could and finally had to park the truck next next to the snow because we couldn't get any farther on this gravel road. And we put our packs on and started hiking up through the snow. Uh, and, and started, as we're hiking through the snow, there was this faint trail of some uh, some 
probably a week old, maybe maybe it was only a few days old, but uh, snowshoe tracks going through the snow. So we kind of followed those for a while, as long as we could, and the snow got deeper and deeper and deeper. We're tranching through the snow. Come to find out, Caleb's boots weren't waterproof, and then neither were mine because they got left out in the rain. And so here we are, hiking through the snow, trying to follow each other's footsteps whoever was in front so it would be easier to walk behind as the snow was slushy and deep and it went from no snow as we we got higher and higher into about 4,000 feet it got to about six feet of snow eight feet of snow it was deep snow for the most part we were walking on the top and breaking through six or eight inches but we were hiking through this this beautiful snow and to tell you the truth it was fantastic it was it was beautiful. The sun was out Friday and we turned a corner and the mountains were spread out before us. And if you've ever been in the North Cascades, there's some just amazing, beautiful mountains up there to look at. And so as we're hiking through these mountains, we're following, well, we're not really following a trail. We're kind of breaking, uh, plowing the trail ahead of us. Most of it's kind of on this road. <clears throat> and then we got to a place where we're, we just went into the forest and headed up to a, uh, headed up to a lake. I can't remember the name of the lake. Calcima, I believe. And so we got up in there and we're, and, and there's, there's so many places in the snow that's breaking through. We got to the sign by the, where the trailhead was, I suppose. And, and I actually have a picture of Caleb looking down at the sign because it's in the snow. He's standing above the sign, probably four feet above, five feet above the sign. Pretty amazing and beautiful place. This passage, as we talk about this imitating God, uh, so much of this is, is there's, there's some really beautiful ideas about, about walking a, a path and trying to step in the footprints step in the footprints of the person ahead of us. And hopefully that person ahead of us is God. And it's so much easier in the snow to step in the footprints of someone ahead of you. Why? Well, you're not, you're not making, plowing your own path. You're stepping in a place that's a little more solid, a little more firm. And so Jesus is, uh, or Paul, when, when he's talking here, he says, imitate God. This is, uh, some, some of your translations actually use the word follow God. So follow down a trail. Like <clears throat> this is what we should be doing is following down trail. Now Jesus called his disciples and he, he would say to his disciples, follow me. Now that, that follow isn't actually the same follow that's in this. Or this is more of an imitate follow. That was more of a, a come here, come on, I'm going to teach you. Come with me and I will teach you. Later, Paul is saying, okay, now follow God. It's a whole different word, actually. It's the word that says imitate, be like, um, act like God. Don't just follow him and be taught, but start acting like. Change the perspective of the way you are from just a learner sitting in a chair, listening to somebody at the front teach, to becoming like the person who's teaching. And so it requires something different. It requires following that person down the trail, stepping in his footprints. And so you're, you're walking along and you, you've got the same cadence as that person. You look like that person as you walk even. And so you know how in a crowd or, or a 
long distance away, you can see somebody, even, even though you can't see their face, you know who they are because of the cadence of the way they walk. You've seen them so many times. And so Paul is, is telling us to not just follow Jesus, not just follow God uh, as a teacher, but start becoming like him, to imitate him to act like him. A good actor in a movie would, would be a, a method actor, right? They get into the, the, the mindset of that character they're trying to act like so much that they, they become that character. They, they, they read about that character, maybe in history, if it's a historical uh, film, they'll read about that character, read about that his, his or her mannerisms and understandings, the way they speak and the way they form words and the way they, they express themselves with their movements, and they become that person. That's this word, imitate or act like. Actually, the word is used a lot in uh, the first century. It's used in acting, in, in stage shows. And so here, Paul is saying, act like, become like. Not just follow, but imitate, become like. Jesus would say, come follow me. I want to teach you. And of course, the disciples were to learn and then turn and be like Jesus. Um, be like me, study me. Talk like me, walk like me, uh, uh, share like me, be like me. I wonder if there's a time when there's someone in our own life that we want to emulate. Uh, it's a little easier when we have them right in front of us. Some of them, maybe uh, it, it is our, our parents, our, our mother or our father. We want to emulate. We want to be like that person, imitate that person. Sometimes we imitate people and they're, they're not really the right people. And, and that, that pathway takes us down pretty, pretty crooked uh, pathways and leads to something, something scary. When we try to Im imitate people who uh, are all about themselves. The good and beautiful thing about imitating God is God is for us. He's for his glory for us, for us so that he is glorified and so we can imitate him and trust him. We cannot fully do, though, what Jesus did. So, so he, Paul says, live a life filled with love. This is how we imitate God. We live a life filled with love. That's pretty impressive. Not too many people can live a life filled with love. And then he adds a little more onto it. He says, live a life filled with love, um, like the example of Christ and what he did for us, sacrificing himself. This is a, a mega size uh, love. To imitate that is, is actually impossible. We cannot fully do what Jesus did. It's impossible for us. It's, uh, it's something we cannot attain to completely. He died for the sins of the world. We cannot die for somebody else's sins. We can, um, we can possibly take away a penalty here and there, but we can't die for sins. We can imitate his example, though. And that's what Paul is calling us to do. Uh, live like God... Uh, Imitate God by showing, by being loving to others, just like Christ did. So, so the example that Christ did, what he did is lay his life down and sacrifice himself as an example of love. And that is something that we can imitate. We can walk in his steps and doing and acting like Jesus did. And that's why these two chapters, four and five, are about, here's what the 
the Gentiles or the people who don't know Christ, here's how they act. They act selfishly for selfish ambition. Here is how I want to encourage you to act, to act loving and selflessly. Act like Christ, selflessly sacrificing yourself. Those are things that we can do for sure. The problem is, is that along the pathway that we're walking, there's a lot of hazards. And so we are going to attempt to imitate God and be loving, but there's tons of hazards in that, right? It's just like walking through the snow this past weekend. Even when I was a little kid, I'd have to jump from one footstep to the other, trying to get there, trying to stay dry, trying to not not get cold. Walking through the mountains this past weekend with Caleb with a backpack backpacks on we'd be walking over six to eight feet of snow and once in a while one of us would fall through the snow we'd step on a tree that was underneath the snow and bent over and you couldn't even see it It was completely invisible to us and we'd step on it and our foot would go through and into that tree and and we'd be up to our waist just like that but not touching the ground once in a while we'd come to some some streams or creeks that are flowing down the whole mountain right now is is flowing it's like a, the mountain is a river and uh we get to a place we have to be very careful to get across that creek because we would literally fall in six to eight feet deep into a, a creek, kind of this this mini crevasse in a way. There's all kinds of hazards as we're tr- walking along, sliding and slipping, walking through creeks, our feet getting wet, and then the cold started setting in. Uh, there's there was an avalanche field on the other side of the lake that we decided we would we would go and walk around the entire lake and we walked through this avalanche field with hazards all around as we looked up realizing that uh, avalanches could happen at any moment and planning our escape and which direction we're going to run and how fast we would get out of there. The, the lake was frozen over, probably two feet, a foot and a half, two feet of ice and snow. Uh, would go down and get some of our water at some of the places that were broken up. Very small, uh, but hazardous if we would have walked out there. We didn't walk on the lake. It was a bit too dangerous to do that. Um, different places that were are just hazardous. And, and really, in our lives, there's hazards everywhere. And we were walking these paths of loving, of trying to imitate God, but it seems like there's hazards everywhere. Things aren't smooth sailings. Things aren't easy. And, and this pathway we're taking is, is often brutal as we are pursuing a, a uh, imitation of God, pursuing to love each other. Now, some of us would say, hey, I'm loving, I'm loving you, God, or I'm, I'm imitating you. I'm, I'm doing what you're calling me to. Why isn't my life easier? God never promised an easy life. One of the reasons I, I would want to imitate my father is, is I, I, I look at the life he lived. It wasn't easy. There's things that I don't even know about the um, hazards of his life. But I know growing up that we didn't have a lot, and he worked very, very hard, sometimes two or three jobs uh, in those early years when we were young kids. Uh, the thing is, is that even when we're, we're living for Christ and we're treating others well, we're imitating Christ, there are still hazards around us. Well, take one of the, the greatest examples of, of somebody who was living for Christ, uh, living for God, um, trying to imitate God, King David. Well, this is a psalm. It might not have been written by David. It was written by somebody. 
Um, but this is this is one of the psalm, and this is Psalm 119. Like a person wrote this psalm. It's really a um, every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, <clears throat> um, and it says Psalm Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light for my path. So your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And that's what it is, right? We're hiking, we're going through the woods. We have a lamp right there guiding us on our journey through life and it's illuminating our feet. Now we would think that this is a really good thing. It's illuminating our steps so there are no hazards, no pitfalls in front of us. We're gonna walk, we're gonna know where we're going, we're gonna see where our steps are and everything is gonna be smooth sailing. Nothing is going to happen. Well, things do happen. <laughs> On the mountain, things happen to us. The second night was absolutely brutal. Well, this is what the psalmist says. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Thank you, Lord. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. And that makes sense. We read that and we go, yeah, your, your lamp is lighting my pathway. The pathway is there and I feel confident and secure. And so I'm, I'm going, it's my delight to follow your rules, your law, easy stuff. Things are going my way. I'm dancing along. I will obey your righteous regulations. I have suffered much, O oh Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight, and I'm determined to keep your decrees to the very end. I hate those with divided loyalties, but I love your instructions. You are my refuge and my shield. My word is a source of hope. Evil-minded people are all around me, but I intend to obey the commands of my God. <clears throat> See the way that the psalmist was juxtapositioning the hazards of life with worshiping God still? I think we would do really well to understand that there are hazards in life. But still, we're called to imitate God by loving others. We got to night two on the mountain. It was a beautiful day. We hiked up some, some um, areas and saw beautiful overlooks and stuff. And, but there were some tremendous hazards along the way. Our feet were wet and cold. Uh, the sun had set. And the, the, night, the first night, it was getting really cold out. And um, thankfully, I brought some survival bags, those... Uh, um, reflective bag coverings that we got inside to keep ourselves warm. And they actually work, by the way. I would take them anytime we went go into the wilderness from now on. We, had, we were inside of that and inside our sleeping bag uh, trying to keep our toes warm. The fire started uh, on top of the snow. <clears throat> it was a good two feet down, melting into the snow. By the next night, uh, by Sunday morning, it was like four feet into the snow <laughs> deep. And... Uh, and the night got colder and colder and colder. Friday or Saturday night rolled around, and around 1 p.m. Saturday afternoon, after some sunny walks, it started to rain on us. 
and and it was raining really really hard and we went into the tent at 1 p.m and we were in the tent until 5 a.m the next day because it rained and rained and rained and then started to snow about 1 a.m. <clears throat> in fact, the snow was so thick coming down on top of us, the, the tent was caving in on top of us. Once in a while, we'd wake up and have to push the tent up off of us and get all the snow off of us so it would come back upright. The stakes were breaking, um, and we'd have two or three, four inches of snow kind of waiting, every heavy, heavy snow waiting us back down and just shivering in our bed. And... But looking out the, the window and watching it snow and, uh, and kind of being in this weird space of going, we are in the mountain in the middle of a, a, a blizzard, a storm, and uh, it's a bit hazardous. I was praying all night long that, that God would save our toes from frostbite because they were wet and they were cold. Our, our feet were all wrinkled up and, and white and looked pretty bad. The fact is, is that when we're hiking, we're hiking in the wilderness, we should expect that things might go wrong or at least be tough, that there are going to be hazards. I tell my boys all the time is, is you, you have to respect the mountain. The mountain can kill you. Respect the mountain and you'll be all right. Respect the mountain, knowing that hazards are out there. Be prepared for them and able to continue and know when enough is enough. Um, this trail, this journey that we're on to love and to follow after God, to imitate him, will be full of hazards, will be full of places that we seem will be, it will seem like God has left us. It will seem like he has, he has left us alone. But I want to encourage you, that's not the truth. That's not the case. There are just hazards in life. In fact, those hazards, those places in life that are tough, lead us to something even more beautiful, Something even more miraculous, I would say. It's going to be hard, scary, confusing, painful at times in life. I can do one or two things when those things happen. I can say, ooh, that's not for me. I'm not going there. I am not going there. I'm going to stay where it's comfortable, where my feet are warm. I'm not going to be in a rainy cold night on top of eight feet of snow on the side of a mountain where avalanches can happen. Not going there. Or we could look at it differently. We could go, yeah, you know what? It is going to be painful and hard and scary and confusing and sometimes terrifying. But I want to go because God has called me to go. I want to see because God has called us to see. I'm going to say, let's go there. If God is calling us there, I want to go there. And we all remember the story of the disciples on the lake, where Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, he said, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. Getting to the other side of the lake was tremendously scary. The storm came up. The disciples thought they were all going to die. Literally, they were terrified. But they got to the other side of the lake. And when God says, hey, this is the trail, this is the path I'm leading you on, it's going to be scary, it's going to be a, a bit treacherous, there's going to be hazards along it, but this is the path and that's where we're going. That's exactly where we're going to go. The disciples went from following Jesus as a teacher to imitating Jesus. 
Remember what happened to the disciples after Jesus ascended back into heaven? They would continue down this past or down the path of life that they were given. And they would stop being just followers, but they would be imitators of God. And they would love others in such a way, in the same fashion and form that Christ loved. And, and uh, they would give their lives, literally give their lives, every one of the disciples. Jesus loved us by offering himself as a sacrifice for the penalty, the debt of sin that we had. That's how Jesus loves us. Uh, later on in this chapter, Paul is going to say, husbands, love your wives in the same manner. Love them in such a way uh, like Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her. Difficult? Absolutely. Rewarding? Beyond measure. Caleb and I saw some things up there that few people will ever get to see. It was remarkable. I mean, the biggest and best thing, we got to spend, father and son, we spent 15 hours, 17 hours in a tent <laughs> as it rained. We made up games. We made up five games. One is good. If you want to know how to play it, we'll teach you. We spent that time um, wondering and talking. We had the zipper of the tent open, looking out in, across this frozen lake at 4,000 feet with snow all around. We got to see uh, an avalanche, hearing the rumble and opening the tent just in time to see that, that snow coming down off the mountain across the lake. We went up uh, on, on one crest and crested the, the ridge to look into uh, North Cascades and the majesty, the majestic mountains covered with snow and sit there in the sunlight for uh, an hour as we were just in awe of what God showed us, of what we got to see. There's some things that going through the pain of things and going through the hazards of life, you see greater, you see more majesty than ever. And some, maybe perhaps it's a, it's a mindset thing as well, but also it's going where few ever will go and ever have gone. And getting to sit in a place with no other tents around, no other footprints around, <clears throat> just, just my son and I looking into the mountains. Difficult? Absolutely. Rewarding? Beyond measure. Beyond measure. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do with this? God is calling us, when he calls us to imitate him, he's asking us to do something that's impossible as humans. For we can't quite act like God. Chapter 5 is going to point some of this out and ways we can give up ourselves, sacrifice ourselves, and, and live a life of love. We can't quite do that as humans. But that's okay, because we get to rely on God's strength and the Spirit's strength in that and live differently. The miraculous 
the beautiful, the miraculously beautiful exist beyond the impossible. If I can live my life on the edge of the impossible, just beyond the impossible, we, I'm getting to live a life that's spirit-filled and spirit-led and miraculous. The rest of life is only just taking care of it on my own. I preach about this a lot. I encourage people about this a lot. And if I'm sitting in your living room right now and across the table with a cup of coffee, and I'm talking to your family or perhaps you alone in a coffee shop or something, my one encouragement to you would be to live beyond the possible. Live inside of the impossible world. Live in that place where you know that you cannot do this on your own. In fact, it won't happen. If we're to imitate God and follow in his footsteps through this, this trail, this journey that he has us on, we're going to be stumbling along and fighting our way to do this. And just like walking through the snow and trying to get to footprint to footprint through the hazards and, and through the snow and all the way to the top and into a tent, a tent that was never warm. <laughs> but going there, we get to see the miraculous and the beautiful. And that's what God's called us to do, you and I. He's called us to live beyond ourselves. And when he's talking about imitating God, Im imitating God, you know, the creator of the universe, God, the God who said, let there be, and day by day things came into being, and he said it was good. The God who created man and woman, the God who created humanity so that he could show them his love, we are to imitate him. We're to act like him. We're to get into his footsteps and get into his cadence. And, and so that when we're walking along, people look at us and they go, oh, look, there's little Christ." Christians. Oh, how we've gotten a bad name over the years because we stopped imitating God and started imitating our favorite politician or actor or self. There's so much more to this. That's why I wanted to only go through two verses this morning because there's so much in that imitating God. Friend, will you do something different this morning? And instead of just turning this off, would you sit and, and grab a piece of paper and just say, and write in there, like, how can I, how can I imitate you, God? What do I need to do differently? What do I need to trust differently? How does my prayer life need to change? How, how, do I, how do I need to look at things around me differently? What does it look like to look at things differently? In fact, what does it look like to imitate God in loving others by following Christ's example? Where have I not sacrificed myself but have lived for myself and not loved others? You know, the passage goes on to say, um, Paul will continue and he's going to keep saying, get rid of this stuff. Get rid of anger. Get rid of other things. We're going to talk about this next week, I guess, in a lot of ways, but just get rid of sexual immorality, um, obscene language, foolish talk. Uh, get rid of coarse jokes. Get rid of anger and rage and, and treating others 
poorly. <clears throat> Put on love. Imitate God. The miraculously beautiful exists beyond the impossible. Often I preach that message, and it's about what we are to do. Uh, maybe, maybe it's to open a coffee shop. Maybe it's to open a business. Maybe it's to take a next step as a church and, and uh, trust the Lord for what he's given to us or as individuals in our family. But here, I'm talking about imitating God in love. That's a bigger thing than anything we could physically do. Epic Life and those others who are watching, I really love you. And I praise God that we, we, can, we can be the church in this time. And the best way for us to be the church is to imitate God. So go and imitate God in a beautiful way. To your neighbors, to your family, maybe even for your own soul. Have a great, great Sunday. May it be a beautiful Mother's Day. Imitate God by, by loving your mom today. Have a great one. Bye.